Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, go to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, a podcast where we revisit favorite pieces of pop culture from our childhood to see if they're still as good all grown up. I'm Cara Gail O'Regan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jordan Poland-Clark. Hello. And we don't actually have a guest this week because we are warming up, we're getting ready for Halloween, and we decided to return to our roots as an almost Sandra Bullock podcast and watch Practical Magic from 1998, a movie that I remembered very fondly, but turned out to be much darker than I remembered. But before we get into that, Jordan has a special report from the past. Ooh, the past. We never talk about that here. Um, <laughs> so, over the weekend, I went to see Hanson. Like, the band Hanson that everybody knew in 1997. Like, mm, Bob Hanson. Um, and Kara was, like, super pumped about it. To, like, for me to talk about it on this podcast. Um, because now that I think about it, that is kind of like a blast from the past for most people. But there's, like, a whole like, really passionate group of people who never stopped listening to Hanson. Um, and they go on tour every couple of years and still sell out every single show that they play. And it's amazing. Um, they're still like, so I don't know, Kara, did you think that they were dreamy in when we were, you know, 12? Mm. Well, I did always think that Isaac looks like a camel. <laughs> oh, he one. cleaned up. He cleaned up. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, Zach was like pretty prepubescent and kind of yeah. weird looking. And then Taylor was like a pretty boy, but like, I don't know, confused me about gender and I sexuality. And also stuff. had that, <laughs> but because I had a friend who looked exactly like Zach and, mm. and oh, she's a girl and, but I had the biggest crush on Zach. So that right. was weird. But I thought that they were super cute. I think that it was fun when like, we we were young to, like, have a crush on somebody who, like, Zach was our age. So, like, that was mm-hmm. fun, you know? Um, but, well, so, yeah, because they're, you know, super non-threatening. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they still are super non-threatening. <laughs> they all, so so they, they cleaned up nice. They're, uh, Taylor is still, like, pretty he's the prettiest one but like he is good looking and like they can sing like they're just they're good man i i never stopped listening to them i never stopped loving them um and they still play mbop like at every show which like is cool you know they do it like they do it different than they used to play it like taylor will play bongos for it like they'll change it up they'll do it acoustic whatever like can you imagine writing a song like when you were 12 and like having to sing it for the rest of your life that's what i always think about and they said nightmare i yeah i mean i can't believe how well they sell it you know (laughs) but they do like i feel like they have this like very controlled image um Mm -hmm. like they're very they all got married when they were like 18 years old to fans they all got married to fans uh that's really weird that's like I, a big red flag to me. I, agree. I was just talking with my sister about this yesterday. Like, like when, like I, so I don't know how true this is, but if you like Google Isaac and his wife, like 
like he says he like saw her in the crowd at a Hanson concert. Like that's so weird. Like you go to a Hanson concert and you're like, I was chosen. <laughs> I'm the chosen one. <laughs> but and then that's like what everyone like secretly dreams of when they go to see right. like like a band that they have a crush on. But like, what would you do if it actually happens? Oh God, I don't know. That's like too much. I don't know. So they're all, they all like are you know got married super young, um, like are very wholesome. Like they all have like a bunch of kids. Are they Mormon? No. But they're, like, Mormon adjacent, aren't they? Like- maybe. I don't know. They don't really talk about that. I think, like, they, like, maybe, but they also, like, tend to control their image really well and tend mm-hmm. not to do anything that would be, like, a big turnoff for anybody, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, cool because if they were talking about God all the time, I would probably like them a little less. Depending on how they did it. I don't know. Um, But it's also like, like I've seen them four or five times now. um, And it's like, you can just tell how polished it is. Like, like you can tell, like they probably say like literally exactly the same thing every night. Um, They don't like stray from their set list very much. Like it's just like very polished and like very put together, which is nice. Um, it's always a really good show, but also I wish they would like let loose a little bit. Like, like one time, one time somebody was smoking pot in the crowd and it was like during Ooh. a, I, someone was smoking pot I, in the crowd at a Hanson concert. Oh my God. I need to meet that person. I, <laughs> I, I, I wanted have questions to... for them. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. Um, but so there's like parts of the show where they'll all come up to the front of the stage and like you know do mostly acoustic like acapella stuff um mm-hmm. so that was a time when that was happening and zach was like "Ooh, i smell that i want to party with you guys and like it was oh. silly but it was just like fun because i was like oh you didn't plan that it was like maybe the one thing you guys are saying that you didn't plan yeah uh, so i liked that um that sounds very um off-brand actually yeah but and not the, only, okay here's not only is he admitting he knows what weed smells like but also <laughs> Um, yeah, and here's the other thing that was really off, felt really off-brand, and I was like, whoa, what? Like, um, so when he, the first time that Zach came out from behind the drums, because he's the drummer, so, you know, you don't, you see his face, and that's it, and he came out from behind the drums, and his pants were so tight, you could just, like, (laughs) see his junk straight through his pants, and, like, it was just like, like, it's a crowd of all girls, we all noticed, (laughs) like, Um, and it was just like shocking. Like I was like, Oh, I don't know if that's a thing that I wanted to happen. Can we undo this? I don't, I don't, I'm not ready. (laughs) So that was, that was also weird. And what year was that? What? Um, the tight pants. Oh no, that was just now. That was two days ago. Oh, that was last night? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Oh my. (laughs) So... That's but, even worse. I think that's even worse because, like, the really tight pants on guys thing is, like, several years behind us by now. They, they weren't, like, really tight. Maybe he just wasn't wearing underwear. Oh, that's also possible. Um, they were tight enough. Uh, but so, so, and I noticed, like, some other things, like, being in the crowd. Like, one, like, the older that I get, the less patience I have for certain types of girl energy. That existed in the crowd, um, which, like, made it a little bit less fun, maybe, than it used to be to go. 
Yeah. Um, but also, like, so, so there's not very many men in the crowd at a Hanson show. Really? Um, for guess. obvious reasons, right? So, um, but like the so the first one I went to is in two thousand and three, probably. And so I've been to one every few years since then. And this one, more than at any other show, it was like women who brought their husbands. Like, and I'm sure that in the past there was always like uh, girls who brought boyfriends. You know, boyfriends mm-hmm. get dragged. But like, there were so many husbands there, and it was just like, oh, is this a thing now? Like, I go, to, you go to stuff that's like kind of you know generally women centric, and women drag their husbands. I don't know about that, but I think it's the same crowd that has just aged into marriage now. Right. Like, I, but I've never, like, I've never been at, like, an event where it was so illustrated in an unexpected mm-hmm. way. You know, like, you go to a wedding or something, and yeah, everyone right. starts to show up with their husband. But, like, this was just a place where I, like, wasn't, I had never thought about that before. And I was like, oh, like, this is a thing. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. Hanson's great. Everyone will listen to Hanson. They still make good music. Um, and they're pretty cool. Like, they... Um, maybe cool is not the word for it. But they um, got stuck in, a, like, a war with their record label. I don't, like, totally remember all the details. But, like, in the early 2000s, like, basically they were on a record label, like, a big one. And they were having... They, they couldn't get any of their music released. And... Mm. They, and everyone was, like, abandoning them, and, like, it could have been over there, you know, after they made, like, two albums, um, and they were like, you know what, we're gonna start our own record label, we're gonna self-release everything, and that's what they did, and they've been incredibly successful from doing that. That's wild. So they're Um, still releasing new music. Yeah. And people are buying it? Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Who doesn't even buy music anymore? Yeah, that a thing. But they also like they they have their shit together. They have like a fan club, like because their fans will do. Their their fans are crazy. Like I'm not a crazy Hanson fan. Like I like them, and I'll go pretty far out of my way to see them every once in a while, and I listen to them a ton. But like I met girls in line. Oh, that's the other thing is you also have to get online like four hours early to a Hanson. Um, Why? Because they're all GA, and if you want to see them, um, but I so have no patience for concerts at all anymore. <laughs> oh, see, I don't mind doing stuff like that for like a band that I really want to see. Hmm. Um, but so we met. Um, I went with my sister, and we met some girls in line who literally were going to like every show on the East Coast. Like they were from um... New Hampshire and like Massachusetts, and they were. They were in the. We were in New York, so they were at the New York City show. They were going to the Boston show. They were going to Canada to see them. Like wow. people do that for them. So is Hanson the Grateful Dead of our generation? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish they were. <laughs> there's still time. There's, st- there's still time for Zach to get fat and die of a drug overdose. I guess. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, that was hope a really dark not. joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it's not, like, it's, it's, like, part of me, like, thinks it's really refreshing how, like, kind of, like, wholesome they are, and, mm-hmm. like, positive, and, like, but then uh, there was, like, a couple of times during the show where I was, like, 
could have rolled my eyes. I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Like, quit your, quit your positivity. There was also a drunk girl. I'm assuming she was drunk. I don't know. But she was, like, heckling them. Like, who goes to a Hanson show to heckle them? She was, like, super angry. I, like, me, I think she probably thought she was being funny at the stuff that she was yelling at them. But, like, that was, like, one of the girl energies that I was like, no! Like, you do not get to yell in my ear about dumb stuff. Like, I'm trying to listen to them. So, anyway. Hanson, yay. Um, so, back to the topic at hand. The 1998 movie Practical Magic starring my girl Sandy and Nicole Kidman and Diane Weist and Stockard Channing who is so good in this and a very very tiny Evan Rachel Wood among other people it's about two witch sisters played by Sandy and Nicole who were raised by their eccentric aunts in a small town and face close-minded prejudice and a curse which threatens to prevent them ever finding lasting love it's also about domestic violence uh, it's got comedy, it's got drama, it's got romance, it's got horror, it's got the power of community and sisterhood and powerful women. You can see why I love this movie. Jordan, you do not feel the same way. Um, uh, no. I, this is the first time that I saw this movie, and it's not that I didn't like it, it was fine. And, and I love all of the people in it, they're great. But, mm-hmm. and there were some parts of it that I really liked. And also I cried like a bunch of times. So I must have felt <laughs> something. Um, but also there were like entire parts where I was like, wait, what? Like, no. <laughs> like, I just like couldn't get over some of the, I don't want to call them plot holes. Cause there weren't really any holes, but like, like something, a few things happened like very suddenly it felt like. And then okay. they just, like, explained it away. And I was like, well, what? I don't know. Can I... you give us a specific example of this? Um, well, when they made Sandra Bullock fall in love with her first husband. Oh, yeah, that was a little. It was so shockingly fast. And yeah. she didn't even question it. She just, like, saw this. Did she even see him in the street? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they so, like made eye contact or something. I, I remember that he made eye contact with the ants, but I couldn't remember if he made eye contact with her. Like well, he th- he flirted more with the ants than he did with her in the street. Yeah. Okay. I I agree. That was a little <laughs> a little rushed. Well, <laughs> but I think we like so eventually, you know, her that husband dies and then after that she's so broken hearted and then she realizes that the ants put a spell a love spell on the two of them but and like, that's would why she, that happened would she seriously not have questioned that earlier like because like okay so they, they meet they make eyes at each other in the street and out in yeah. town and then she goes home and then literally like a music video music starts to play and she runs back out of her house like like how long after do you think that was i'm pretty sure it was like they just got home okay to me it felt like longer i felt like she like sat around for a couple of hours no because she ran like directly back to where he was and it seems like he had just finished crossing the street or something (laughs) 
It was just like really sudden the way she like ran it. Like like to, like we're we're meant to believe that she's a smart person, like a very yeah. smart person and very practical. Yeah, so like like she wouldn't question that. She would. Love is crazy, man. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> In the service of the larger story, like you have to get her so if we can back up a little bit. Uh, the movie opens with the aunts telling the two sisters the this family history, their ancestor story. We also learn that their parents have died, their father dies somehow, and then their mother dies of a quote-unquote broken heart, whatever that's supposed to mean. Uh, and so they go and live with their aunts, and then their aunts are telling them this ancestor story that they're descended from this witch who uh, could not be hung and... Um, she finds out that she's the witch finds out that she's pregnant and I don't know I forget exactly but it's not that important somehow this whole lineage of women is cursed winds up cursed that any man that they truly love will die so this like super rushed (laughs) uh, piece of the story where Sandra Bullock's character meets well, they don't even really meet before she's like jumping on him and kissing. But that's right. that's. I wrote. Point. I wrote in my notes. What did I miss? Something? <laughs> no, you didn't miss anything. But uh, you have to like go through it really quickly. Where like they get together, they get married, they have two kids. They're super sublimely happy. Wait, and then... can I ask a question about the two kids? I think. Wait. Mm-hmm. So, so hearing you tell all of this. It's, I think that I think my general problem with this movie is that they tried to fit too much plot in it. There is a lot going on. Yes, <laughs> um, because yes. there were there were other parts of it that were closer to the end. I think so. We'll talk about them later. That I like mm-hmm. loved. Like were so yeah. powerful and so amazing for like women and like sisters yeah. and like all this. Yeah. Uh, but they I just love tried those to. Parts too. <laughs> they just tried to fit too much other stuff in it. Yeah. Um, I, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, and that was, like, the main complaint. There was a lot of also, like, gendered misogynist bullshit from critics, but um, yeah. that was kind of, like, the... that That's what... I'll give you that. That's definitely true. There's a little too much going on in this movie. But so, I don't care. I have a question. So, so Sandy marries this guy. They have a couple of kids. Uh-huh. And, and so... Before that happens, um, Nicole, do they have real names in this movie? Do we, have, do we just call them Sandy and Nicole? That's okay with me. Um, but so, but so before she gets married and meets this guy and whatever, um, Nicole, who's like way more of a free spirit, like, you know, Sandy's the practical one, Nicole's the free spirit. So she basically runs away from the house. Sally and Jillian with a G. Oh, right. She keeps, she keeps calling her Jilly. In the movie, I do remember that, but Sally, I didn't catch that. Um, so Jilly runs no, away. She's the main character. <laughs> well, well, no one ever says the main character's name. No, they do like several <laughs> times, but that's whatever. Fine. <laughs> um, so Jilly runs away to be free, and she's dare I say slutty. Um, like that's what she runs away to do. Basically, is just like get with a bunch of different men and like party and stuff. Is what it seems yeah. like. Right? Yeah, but also, I mean, this is set in, like, a really small New England town that's very insular, and they are um, segregated from the rest of the town and ostracized by the rest of the town. So, like, it would make sense that she would want to get the hell out of there, regardless yeah, yeah, yeah. of what she plans to do once she gets out. Um, but so they they kind of, like, 
do they write letters back and forth to each other or are we just meant to believe that they're like witch psychic talking to each other no they write letters i couldn't tell were other i couldn't tell maybe i missed something no i don't think you did i think it's <laughs> like you you're just like cuz you hear voiceover a few times kind of back and forth um and then later in the movie a letter becomes a kind of a plot point yeah i was also confused about that but we can talk about that in a second um but so she's writing sally is writing Jilly a letter gilly is it Jilly or gilly Jilly. it's Jilly, right okay yeah. she's writing her a letter and she's like telling her her whole life story that just happened and she's like i meant it, it seems like she hasn't written her a letter in a long time yeah, I mean, it does seem weird that, like, because, I mean, until she meets Sally's daughters, it kind of seems like she hasn't been back since she left. Right. But, you but know. so, but so, in one of the letters, Sally is like, I met this man, and we've been married for two years, and we have yeah. these beautiful kids. Yeah, that seemed a little weird. The kids are, like, nine years old. Yeah. What is she talking about? They've been married for two years. You can have children before you get married. I know plenty of people that have done that. But that's not... Whatever. I had... The... It felt like, to me, like, there were some time problems. There were some time problems, yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm going to talk about all the parts that I didn't like, just so we can get to the parts that I liked. Because I did like that a lot totally of parts fine. of it. There's awesome. so many good parts. Um, okay, so Sandy's married, and her husband dies. I didn't like the beetle thing, either. Yeah. It was just, So like, there's, like, why? a clicking death beetle that is part of this whole family legend, that whenever these women in the family hear this like clicking of the death beetle which is a thing um like historically there's also like several other bugs that are associated with this sort of thing so it doesn't actually mean anything but in the story they hear the bug and then they know that uh their lover's death is nigh Right, so the beetle comes, her husband gets, you think that he's going to get hit by a bunch of bikers? It was a real fake out. It was a real fake out. Yeah, yeah it's pretty intense. <laughs> he's like, he's a delivery man? What do you think his job is? A I fruit think man? he's like, you know how like on Gilmore Girls... <laughs> I didn't watch Gilmore Girls. Okay, well, Melissa McCarthy's character is like a chef, and she winds up marrying this guy who's always delivering them vegetables. I don't know. I think he's like that guy. Okay, so he walks kind of is, like though. basically what we know about his job is that he walks in the street with a cart of <laughs> fruits and vegetables. Yeah, that's really literally that's all that what... we know about him. And yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say like they they in this movie they tend not to go very in depth about the male characters like at all. Yeah. Like we actually don't know this guy. That's the most that we know about him. Yeah. I mean the movie definitely does not pass the Bechdel test, but it also uh, <laughs> so funny, it really doesn't. But it also like doesn't flesh out the male characters at all. They're just like no. these superficial you Which know. is super interesting to be like, yeah. we have all these women and then to still do such a poor job in some ways, not in all the ways. Um, no, I like it. I like that the male characters are so superficial and are really just there to serve the story. 
Um, it's a nice. It's a nice reversal. Is all I'm saying. So then, all oh, right. So there's a real fake out. There's like a hundred bicyclers coming, and we know he's gonna <laughs> die. We don't know how. And so, like, all these bicycles come at him. He's, like, trapped in the middle of the street. Because he's so nice, he stopped to talk to somebody. And, uh, he, but he, like, squeezes and all the bikes go around him. And you're like, whew, he so made relieved. it. Yeah, and then so he gets relieved. hit by a truck instantly. <laughs> yeah, that's... Which, like, there was no emotion around his death. For Who? You well, as a as a viewer, yeah. For or... for me as a viewer, and then like I feel like eventually, I got around to feeling a little bit sad with Sandy slash Sally, but like at first, like she not that she wasn't upset, but she wasn't like crying or like distraught or like she just like went to yell at her aunts. Yeah, about casting that love spell on her. No, she, that's not. She went to yell at them about the curse, didn't she? She And she was like, you have to bring him back. And that's when they told yeah, her no, that it was a love spell. She didn't yeah. know. Oh. Huh. I don't know. She didn't even know it was a love spell until... Well, she's... So, when people die, people get irrational. No, and, like, sure, sure. You sure. don't always have, like, the most... Uh, appropriate reaction. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I don't want to judge somebody's. Um, but another thing that happens at the beginning of the film when Sally is still a little girl is that she writes, she casts this anti-love spell. She she cooks up this idea of like the the perfect guy, and she makes it impossible for this guy to exist. So that wait, I wrote it down because the line is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, the guy she dreamed of doesn't exist. So if he doesn't exist, I can't die of a broken heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So sad. Why? So she's like pissed because she, she finally, she fell in love and now this fucking guy died. And then it turns out that the whole reason that she fell in love in the first place is because her aunt's cast a stupid spell. But then she like really like the reason why he did. God, this is so much plot. We're like not even talking about the movie yet. Like, barely. So, yeah, yeah. But so the reason that he died is because she actually fell in love with him. Like, right. it wasn't just the spell. And the aunt's excuses, they like they were like, well, we didn't think you would actually fall in love with him. Like, that was their excuse for setting yeah. the spell, even though they knew that this curse existed. Whatever. That's shitty. <laughs> why, like, why couldn't they, if they're such powerful witches, all of them, why couldn't they figure out how to break the curse? Like, they can do everything else. Yeah. Well, because then we wouldn't have this convoluted... I know, I know. But, like, if you're going to, like, build this world and have this convoluted story, you might as well give a reason why they can't figure out how to break the curse. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's actually literally no reason that this whole curse plot line needs to be in there. Like, because the main plot line is actually about, like, Nicole Kidman's character (laughs) in this abusive relationship and, like, trying to escape from her abuser. Um, And, like, we don't actually need the the other plot about yeah i mean like and stuff sandy still could have yeah the whole rest of the movie could have been the same except they wouldn't have lived with the ants i guess Mm, yeah i guess maybe 
I no, their parents could have died some other way, but um, yeah, it does serve the story in that all of these people in town, you know, say all of these like things about them, and there are all these rumors, oh. and it helps that there is a rumor that all of the men that they know will die. Yeah, you know, that was that was the first time that I cried was when oh. <laughs> when the the um. When Sally and Jilly were young and they first went to live with the ants and all the kids were yelling, witch, witch, you're a bitch at them. Yeah. Like, that was so sad. Yeah. So mean. It's been going on for hundreds of years. But I have a question. Like, they, they live, so Sandy lives in the same town that she Mm -hmm. grew up in, right? And so, and has all these women who are her peers, right? Mm-hmm. So doesn't that mean those are the same kids who were yelling "witch, witch, you're a bitch" at her when she was younger? Yeah, probably. That's so horrible. But they're right? all friendly now, even no, though everyone. Not. What are you talking about? They're not friendly at all. But then why do they all show up at the end of the movie for each other? It's like that lady says, "You know, I've always wanted to see inside your house." Yeah, but like, like what? They they all hate her and think she's a witch, and they call her "witch, witch, you're a bitch," and then they just turn around fast like that. Uh, people are animals, but I think it's more like that lady who's like, "You know, I've always wanted to see inside your house." Like she's clearly like the ringleader of the mean girls, you know. And like when you grow up, you're not as into being a mean. I hopefully as into being a mean girl but like there's still clearly like this clicky thing going on in the town and I think the other women aren't necessarily as like full of venom for them as that (laughs) one woman is like the other ones seem like they are genuinely like oh no I'm I want to help and then the other lady is just like no I just wanted to see inside your house you know and she's the ringleader so I don't know they all I don't trust any of them but but that like makes that last scene like really sucky because it's so powerful if you think uh, we already skipped to the end of the movie whatever at the end of the movie so long story short Nicole Kidman's boyfriend is ex-boyfriend cuckoo bananas crazy and like beating her and like really scary and she's like Sally I need help come help me so so Sandy That part I think is telepathic. Okay. Well she no, she called her on the telephone. Oh, did she? I don't remember that. Okay. <laughs> she she called her on the telephone except um both one of the aunts and Sandy were running to the phone going like, It's Jilly and they're like, I know like they knew it was her and they knew something right. was wrong. Okay. So but they had to call happened. on the telephone. Right. Um so um, when, when they're, tra- he basically then kidnaps, um, the two sisters while yes, they're trying to get away from him. And any abusive relationship, when the person who is being abused tries to leave, it is the absolute most dangerous time. And that's usually when people wind up dead. Um, so it's actually pretty true. Like, this is mm. one of the aspects of the movie that I think actually is pretty realistic Mm -hmm. that like they're about to get away and he winds up like kidnapping both of them yeah and well she goes back for something too like they could have gotten away and then she was like no wait i need my yeah some sort of amulet yeah 
But so, yes, then he kidnaps them, and they poison him, and they don't accidentally. mean... Yeah, no, no, they don't accidentally poison him, but they only mean to give him enough poison so that he gets, like, knocked out, and they can escape, but she accidentally gives him too much, and so he dies. Oops. And then... And then, you know, they're, like, freaking out because, you know, Sandy's like, my kids, I can't, they're going to take me away from my kids if they find out that I did this. So, because they're witches, they try to bring him back to life, question mark? Is that what happens? Yeah. Well, Sandy's not thrilled about that idea because... She wanted to bring her husband back to life after he died, and the ants told her that if he came back, he it wouldn't be him, it would be his body, but inhabited by something much darker. And Nicole Kidman's all like, who fucking cares? Obviously, this guy was, like, super dark to begin with. Like, we just need to, like, bring him back and, like, send him on his way. Um, and so they do this spell, and... Yeah, I'm not sure if... <laughs> He maybe, like, wasn't entirely dead, and the spell, like, <laughs> kind of brought him back, or if the spell really actually did bring him back, because before they're able to, like, pierce his eyeball, which is so gross, um, to, like, complete the spell, he wakes up. So who knows? That part's a little unclear. But, yeah, but so even when he, even when they're, like, done, he's not, like, like he's still, like, some kind of, like, spirit that's not dead but also not really alive does that seem right uh before or after she hits him with a frying pan it was a frying pan right oh i kind of forgot about that and like starts um and like assaults nicole kidman again and is like strangling her which is like very uncomfortable to watch um and then, like, Sandy grabs a frying pan or something and hits him in the head. And then he's definitely dead. But he's not dead because his spirit is still haunting them after that. He's dead, but it's, his spirit is haunting. So, like, his right. physical body is dead. So he's yeah. not... Right. So he's still haunting them. And... But they, they go... bury him in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, and they go back to the... They go to the aunt's house. And then this cop... Is he a cop? I think he might be a U.S. Marshal, actually. Like, that's what his badge looked like, but I don't know. Some sort of law enforcement officer. Right. Shows up at their door, and he's looking for the guy. What was the guy's name, the bad guy? Mm, I don't know. He look. had a... It was a, it was a good name. Jimmy Angelov. Angelov, right. They kept, like, they said his last name a lot. Right. Um. So... So, here's where I have another problem. <laughs> like, this this law enforcement guy shows up. He basically knows that these sisters killed this guy. Like, he knows, right? Uh, I think when he shows up, he's like, so, like they know where he is. He's not, he's not sure that they killed him. And then he starts to suspect it. And then he goes and talks to everyone in the town, and they're like, yeah, no, they probably definitely killed him. And you know what else? On Halloween, they jump off the roof and fly. And then he's like, okay, well, that's clearly not true. You know, so he's, like, kind of vacillating back and forth 
Um, but so he like he seems so like not he seems so wishy-washy about like <laughs> like like there's a certain point where he definitely like pretty much knows that they did it and yeah. he's just trying to get them to confess basically but like it's like it's like he's flirting with her and like playing a game at the same time. He doesn't seem super invested actually in catching this murderer even though it's his job and that's why he came there. Yeah, well I think like if he's dead then it like kind of doesn't matter. You know, he like he's concerned with like getting this clearly very dangerous and homicidal man off the streets and if somebody else did that for him, well that is no. that was not my read on it like oh. at all. <laughs> I just was like, why is he acting like this? I don't get I it. I mean, he's definitely very inappropriate with Sandra Bullock, like from the from the get go. Like, well, yeah, excuse me, sir. Boundaries, but spoiler alert: it turns out that he's the guy that Sandra cast or Sally cast that love spell about when she was a little girl. He's got two different colored eyes something about a star which his badge has <laughs> oh so, is that why okay yeah. there is a part where there is a part where the demon demon jimmy was like attacking them in their house mm-hmm. and he shows up maybe he was already there i don't know why was he eating pancakes with them <laughs> Uh, he had said, I'll come by tomorrow around 10 so we can talk about this more or something like that. And then when he showed up, the whole family was making pancakes. And then... But the the little girls were like, you have to come eat pancakes with us. And he was like, okay. And he was like... Because they were going (laughs) to cast another spell on him to send him away. Oh, yeah, I remember that. that They dumped out the maple syrup. But then... Whatever. Okay. Back to what I was going to ask before. Is that why when... So there was, like, this... The Jimmy was in the house, like, being scary. And he, like, waved around his badge. And that's what made Jimmy go away? Was oh, yeah, that, that was weird. Was that the star? Like, is that why that worked? I don't know. I think that that part's a little, a little <laughs> loose. Because uh, he basically... The star functions like a crossword with a vampire. <laughs> Which is weird. But it was just a badge. It was just like his his work badge. I thought that was weird. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm not saying that this movie is perfect. That's also a really (laughs) lame man thing that happened. Like, he had to save them from him in that moment. In that moment. But, like, they ultimately save themselves. Yeah, they do. Because, yeah. Okay, so so by we're we're near the end of the movie and um Jimmy Jimmy Demon guy is like basically like has possessed Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Um and is trying to like take her away. Oh my like, god. What? You know what? We'll talk about it after uh we missed the tequila scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but keep keep talking about what you were going to talk about. We can revisit that because that's one of my favorite scenes. So okay. We can talk about the good things once you're done talking about the bad things. All right. Well, what I'm about to say is good and bad. I have, like, good things and then I have things that I'm like, ugh, really? 
So, so she's like possessed by this guy, and it's like really scary and like really painful to watch because he's like killing her body basically, and she has no control, whatever. So they um, call all the ladies to the house because they need a lot of ladies to do the spell that they're going to do. They need 12 ladies, I believe. Um, They can have eight, but 12. But 12 is better. Yeah. Um, So they all get, they each get a broom. Except Um, one lady doesn't have a broom, so she brought her dust buster. (laughs) Right. I love Um, that. And they gather around in a circle and hold brooms and chant, and it doesn't work really and then, how does it work in the end? I don't even remember. It works eventually. Oh, all right. Um, and they basically, like, they draw the spirit out of her. Or, no, he's, like, still inside of her. I don't know. I don't remember, actually. They, the details about this are a little fuzzy. Me too. I don't know why. Like, there were some parts I was just that, like, I legit wasn't So wrapped paying. up in the spirit of sisterhood and... Yeah, well, no, I... I like, well, because cause that's the part where, like, like they kind of give up for a second. And yeah. and Sandy lays down next to next to Nicole, and it's, like, really nice the way yeah. that, like, you know, it's, like, you really, like, I don't know. It's a sister bond. Um, mm-hmm. And she's and just they, like, like, no, you can't leave. And then they, their palms and put them together again, which is something that they do at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then they win. And then they hug. And then and the then ladies sweep up with their brooms. <laughs> because, like, they draw the spirit out of her and, like, vanquish him. And then he turns to dust and they have to, they have to clean house. I just, like, that was the part that I was like, ugh, this is stupid. Like, like women doing housework. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I didn't love that they had brooms, and then I didn't love that they used the brooms to sweep up afterwards. That wasn't my favorite. Yeah. No, I could see how you'd feel that way. But I thought it was really powerful when they all came together. Yeah, it was. And really powerful that, like, sister love is what, like, basically saves her in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, you want to talk about the tequila scene? Yes, the tequila scene. I love this one so much. It, like, got... The scene was, like, intense in a way that, like, didn't match the rest of the movie. Well... I also love this scene. I also love this scene. Yeah, I'd say there's, like, tonal inconsistencies (laughs) throughout the movie, and this happens to be one of them. But I, I like it because it's... There's, like, a real arc that happens, you know, like, that tequila song is on, and they come downstairs, and they're like, oh my god, the ants are making margaritas! And, uh, they are dancing, and the ants use their magic to turn the blender on, which is hilarious. <laughs> the ants are hilarious. I mean, I could I could have a whole movie. They should have on. their own movie. It's I true. I absolutely agree. Yeah. They're like a series. Yeah. Um, there should be a series where, because at the beginning of the movie, this woman comes over and pays them a bunch of money to, like, do a love spell, so this guy yeah. will love her, and, like, like I would watch that series. If it was, like, a 30-minute series, and, like, they had to solve someone's problem every week, mm-hmm. I'd watch that. Well, historically, like, witchcraft has been, a, on the one hand, it has been a vehicle to drive women 
independent women out of society, but also like has been a trade for women for thousands of years, you know, Mm -hmm. like prior to modern medicine and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Like people would have to go to witches and yada, yada. So yeah, I think if they had, they were running like a little small business where they uh, (laughs) do practical magic for people and cast spells and do weird things with pigeons, I would, I would still watch that. But anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, you're going right, to talk about the tequila. tequila. Thing. Uh, so they're all dancing and they're singing and they're doing shots and they're singing some more. And they're all like all four of them are just having the best time and bonding. And then they're sitting around the kitchen table. And I forget who does it first, but somebody says something like really mean about the mm-hmm. other one. Yep. And then kind of they all start saying mean shit and cackling and like the tone really changes and then it changes and then they start singing this weird song and the tone really shifts again suddenly to where they're like what is this song why are we singing it oh my god this is a jimmy song hey wait a minute where'd this bottle of tequila come from somebody left it on the porch oh no it's like the brand of tequila that jimmy drank and so she like smashes the bottle and like a total buzzkill um but it's like the first it's the first um indication that like something's wrong and that like he's still around even though they buried him in the backyard i maybe made up a plot during that scene (laughs) or i might have left something out no i just like because she dumped out the bottle so fast Like, I knew it was Jimmy that left the bottle, but I thought maybe he, like, like, made it so that the tequila made them. I thought he, like, used some kind of magic or something. Some sort of magic to (laughs) make them, like, extra fucked up? Yeah, yeah, to make them, like, Margaritas and what appears to be several rounds of shots so they just even after things escalated out of control they kept doing shots and i was like no stop please stop please stop i don't like this you're gonna have a really rough morning i thought maybe he put something in it that made them all tell the truth (laughs) no (laughs) no i think he like a little bit of him was kind of like possessing all of them in that moment yeah it was it was something like that right yeah all right. I wasn't totally off. Yeah. But that was like one of the scenes that I was like, oh, right. This movie is a lot darker than I remember but it I, being. Like, it also f- feels like like that that scene is like powerful and scary because yeah. that is how people get when they drink. Like, I feel like emotions can, like, vary so wildly so quickly. Oh, yeah. And, like, you accidentally say a bunch of true stuff sometimes. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, even though, like, it's, uh, like, the tone of it keeps shifting in, like, a weird way, I think that the, like, emotional intensity of the scene, I think it works. I actually think it works really well. I just no. didn't remember it ending in the way that it did. I was just like, yeah, margaritas, having fun with the ants, drinking tequila, dancing, doing witch stuff. And then, you know, the rest of it happens. Oh, yeah. It's, like, so dark. 
But I think that they all needed to say those things to each other anyway. Yeah, probably. Maybe. I don't remember what they actually said, but... Well, they definitely called Nicole Kidman a slut. And I feel like they called Sandra Bullock, like, uptight or, like, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember either. Yeah. Pretty much all that I remember, like, even though I loved this movie, pretty much all that I remembered was the first half of that scene. From the whole movie? That's all you remembered? Well, and I also remembered that, like, Sally has a great little, like, botanical shop. (laughs) Those are funny things to be the things that you remember. I know. Really weird details. Um, I, like, aesthetically remembered a lot of things. But other than that, and, like, the the scene with the broomsticks. Like, the the coven kind of scene. Um, when was the last time that you saw this before now? It's probably been at least ten years. But you like you watched it a bunch like growing up? Yeah, I think I maybe not like a bunch a bunch, but I definitely saw it multiple times and I remembered really liking it. And of course Sandra Bullock is amazing in this, as always. Well, she's the greatest. They all are. I mean yeah, they like are. that's the thing is like I don't love this movie but like I mean this is what I always end up saying about Sandra Bullock in particular is like there's just nothing not to like about her like you just Mm -hmm. can't like if you asked me if I like her I would be like no not really but also I can't find anything that I don't like (laughs) Uh, but I also feel that way about like Nicole Kidman I feel that way about like most of the women in this movie well, something that we've said about Sandra Bullock before is that she's the best part of a lot of bad movies. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily feel like that's true about this movie because they're all so good. Or at least all the women are. The guys that could take them or leave them. But, um, yeah. This, even though it came out before Eyes Wide Shut was filmed afterwards, and so... Nicole Kidman was like fresh off of working on that movie when they filmed this one. And apparently she got used to doing like 70 or 80 takes of each scene uh, from working with Stanley Kubrick. So uh, the director on Practical Magic had a hard time balancing that with Sandra Bullock, who could like nail it in three or four takes. (laughs) So I imagine that must have been really annoying to do. Yeah. The, the, what did you think about the digital effects in this? There were some like pretty interesting visual effects. They they weren't great, but also like what year was this? Nineteen ninety eight. They were really terrible. good. They were really good for nineteen ninety eight. I thought. Yeah. Like I didn't I watch so them and go like, ugh. <laughs> like I didn't laugh out loud at them. Uh, the only one that I was like, Ugh, at was um, the one where Nicole Kidman is like driving across the country, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess. And so she's like driving for several days after Sally's husband has died. And so you see um, like day turns to night, turns to day, turns to night. That was pretty rough. Other mm-hmm. than that, I thought they were pretty good mm-hmm. for 1998. Yeah, I've definitely seen worse. Yeah. Um, 
Ooh, fun fact about those death beetles. Uh, <laughs> to, they would do that. They do that ticking noise mm-hmm. to attract a mate, mm-hmm. and can be heard in the rafters of old buildings on quiet summer nights. So they are therefore associated with quiet, sleepless nights, and are named for the vigil uh, kept beside the dying or dead. And by extension, the superstitious have seen the death watch beetle as an omen of impending death. Mm. So. Wait, so they're really called... Is a Death Watch beetle a real thing? Yeah. That's really what they're called? Oh, yep. they're scary. I just Googled it. I don't want... I, saw, I can see it up close now. <laughs> just like... I think there's like a few... If I remember the Wikipedia article correctly, there are actually... The term Death Watch has been applied to a variety of other ticking insects, including Anobium striatum, some of the so-called book lice of the family Sosidae, and appropriately named Atropos divinatoria and Clothilla pulsatoria. So there's some other bugs that are also called Death Watch. I don't know. I think they're kind of cool. They have like this like brown shell with like goldish modeling on it. That's definitely not what they looked like in the movie, though. No, it was a black bug. Yeah, it was a, definitely a different kind of bug. Uh, Welcome to else? Bug Talk. <laughs> Welcome to Bug Talk with Jordan and Carol. <laughs> We're here to talk about bugs. We're here to Google bugs. We don't know anything <laughs> about bugs, but the internet does. Today's bug, the Death Watch Beetle. <laughs> Zestobium rufovillosum. <laughs> this is just a podcast where I say things in other languages now. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, last time you worked really hard on your German, like, and it's impressive. Like, I couldn't say the things that you're saying right now. Well, dusting off, dusting off my Latin skills. I think I mentioned in the Wishbone episode that I took several years of Latin. Mm -hmm. So that helps when I'm trying to pronounce things from Wikipedia articles. I thought I would have more to say about this movie. I just really love it. You could say that for, oh, no, you know what? We made it to an hour. <laughs> I I actually was surprised by how much I still enjoyed this when I watched it. Um, considering how much darker I remembered it being, I was like, no, but it's still so good. Even though it's not. I think we've uh, pointed out all of the ways in which it's not actually that great, but I enjoy it's it. It's fine, though. Like, there's a lot of worse things that you could watch. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, if I might say so, both Sandy and Nicole are looking particularly fine in this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they look great. And so do so do Diane Weist and, and Stockard Channing. I mean, do. wow, that Stockard Channing in this movie is pretty much exactly my, like, style plan for when I become an older woman. Well, they both... Off that kind of stuff. I, like, I... I, they both walked around this town dressed like crazy. Like, not... Yeah, love it. Yeah, I also loved it, but they were, like... They were really calling attention to themselves. That's all. Yeah. I think they just don't give a fuck, because they're yeah. like, whatever. People are gonna think what they're gonna think, and we're just gonna, like, do us, and wear ridiculous hats, and wear little gloves, and, uh, just really... Lean in to the, like, weird witchy ant thing. They did, yeah. Uh, this is supposed to have taken place in 
New England, a little town in New England, but actually it was filmed in Washington on like Washington state on a little island called Whidbey Island, which a friend of mine grew up on. And I was like, oh my God, do you have any inside scoop about the filming of Practical Magic on Whidbey in 1998? And she did not. (laughs) So that was unfortunate. Yeah. I'm excited about Halloween though. Oh my God. The end, the end of the movie on Halloween. It turns out they really do jump off their roofs and fly. I miss that part. You did? Oh my god. It's so funny. Because they're all dressed up in, like, black dresses with, like, witch hats and, like, umbrellas. And they go up to the top, to the roof of their house, and the whole town is there to watch. And they hold hands, and they all jump off the roof and, like, gracefully float down to the ground while laughing. I don't know how I missed that. That does sound great. I I mean, I, I would say, Google it right now. I'm sure there's a clip of it on YouTube. Because right. it's crazier than it sounds. Well, I guess... Did... I don't remember the end of this movie. <laughs> did, <laughs> did... Did... Were Sandy and that guy really in love? Yeah! Yeah, oh, right. So... There's too many plots. Yeah. Somehow, he... I don't know. Somebody somewhere finds... Like, in some, something that is burned down, find, like, piece, identifying pieces of things that they identify a body as, as the evil Jimmy guy. Oh, right, like, yeah. Like, okay, case closed, even though, obviously, he's buried in their backyard. Um, and so he's like, okay, my work here is done. I'm going to go back to Arizona. He goes back to Arizona. And then somehow, for some reason, he winds up coming back. And uh, they live happily ever after. Oh, because also <laughs> in the coven scene where they like banish Jimmy, the sisterly, the power of sisterly love also reverses the curse, gets rid of the curse, I guess. Oh, right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's how it ends. All right. I'm, I'm watching them jump off the roof. Ooh, they have, like, Wicked Witch um, socks on, too. Yeah. Like, those striped socks. All right, they're jumping down. Yeah, they're it's floating, like... floating, and they landed. And they're celebrating. Oh, no worries. Oh, yes. Also, a uh, small role for Margot Martindale in this as uh, one of uh, Sally's two employees in this very small shop in this very small town. It seems weird that she would employ that many people, but whatever. Um, yeah, her and her co-worker are also some really great comic relief in this movie. Yeah, I liked the other co-worker, too. Yeah. Who, for some reason, has crimped hair, even though it's 1998. Mm, that was still, like, kind of a thing. But not was a big it? thing. Well, I feel like it was a thing if you were, like, in middle school in 1998. <laughs> but even still, I feel like you would crimp like part of your hair but not Mm. the whole thing and this lady did the whole thing (laughs) but she's goth so it doesn't matter she gets to do whatever she wants right anything else that we missed no i'm just uh clicking through some photos from the the premiere and it's a real real who's who oh who was famous in 1998 uh we got jenna elfman of dharma and greg where's jenna elfman now 
I think she has a series or just had a series last year. Who played Greg? I don't know. He did not have the staying power that she has. Yeah, she has a, a show called Imaginary Mary. Which has something to do with an imaginary friend. I don't remember exactly. Oh, it's canceled, uh, though. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, Winona Ryder was there. Rosanna Arquette. Matthew McConaughey. Looking all Matthew McConaughey. Leanne Rhymes. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. The, like theme song to this movie is This Kiss by Faith Hill. Ugh, that's what was playing when she like, first like ran to yeah. the guy and it made no sense. Yeah. Ugh. That's when I was I like, like uh, There were like certain parts of this music of this movie that like felt like continuous music videos and then there yeah. were like other parts that had no music at all. Yeah. And I, I read on the IMDb trivia let me pull that up real quick, because this is related. <gasps> what? Oh, wait. Uh, something just occurred to me. Mm-hmm. That Okay, so this was directed by Griffin Dunn, mm-hmm. first-time director, but he is an actor, and I think the father or brother of Dominique Dunn. Um, he plays the husband in I Love Dick. Did you watch that yet? Have you seen that? No, because it's on Amazon, and I don't. it's like the one thing I don't pay for. Ah, I've heard really good things about that, though. It is really good, but I was like, because I had looked at his, I like his Wikipedia page. I don't know. I was like, oh, he looks familiar, but I can't figure out what he was in, and it just occurred to me. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's very good. Uh, after bad reactions at a test screening, composer Michael Nyman's score was rejected at the last minute. It was called too European sounding and obtrusive. It was replaced with one by Alan Silvestri. The change was made so late that the soundtrack albums had already been pressed, and as a result, the first batch to hit stores all had two suites of themes from Nyman's score. A few weeks later, a new version of the CD with the exact same ISBN number was made, replacing Nyman's tracks with music by Silvestri. You know, I bet those original ones are worth lots of money. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think that the music... I mean, you were talking about more, like, just, like, the general action and pacing and plot being, like, a music video, but I think the music in general seems a little off because it wasn't really, like, supposed to be there, necessarily. That makes sense. Yeah. But they did play a Stevie Nicks song for the end credits, which is perfect and appropriate. Wasn't there also a Stevie Nicks song in the middle somewhere? No, there's a Joni Mitchell song in the middle. Oh, when, you're right. That's what when I'm she's of. driving in the car. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I actually really like the soundtrack to this. <laughs> Ooh, taglines. There's a little witch in every woman. I don't <laughs> love that. No. Prepare to come under their spell. I don't love that one either. For two sisters from a family of witches, falling in love is the trickiest spell of all. That's too long and not clever. (laughs) 
But it's the most appropriate of those three. Sure, yeah. It describes the movie well, I guess. I don't know. If you had to pick one of the plots from this movie, what is this movie actually about? Like, what do you want it to be about? I mean, I think the domestic violence plot line, because it's important, and it's... I think they really, if they had, like, just stuck with that and fleshed that out a bit, Mm -hmm. I think that, like, the possession aspect of this could have been used as a good kind of allegory for, like, what happens to people when they're in abusive relationships. But they kind of dropped the ball on that, so. Mm, Yeah. Uh, It opened at number one when it came out, but it did not make back the amount of money that it cost to make overall. It was about a $48 million budget and only made about, like, 46-something. That sucks. Yeah, especially if it opened at number one. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's about all I have. You have anything? Nope. Well, it's too bad you didn't enjoy it more. No, I, I liked it. Great I don't time. want anyone to think that I didn't didn't like it. I just didn't love it. Yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot. I was going to write a game or something, and I forgot. Uh, oh, but yeah. But if you could do magic or have magical powers, what would you do slash what would they be? I would fly. No question. Why? Um, because I've spent literally my whole life trying to fly, and I can't yet, so... Oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> there are listeners who might not know. Jordan is a literal acrobat. <laughs> yeah, it's like my number one dream. Like, the best moment of every day is when, for like one second, I jump really high on the trampoline, and for one part of a one second, I'm like, I flew! I floated! I did it! <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I think my magical power would be to pause time so I can take a nap. (laughs) Or, like, do other things. But mostly just so I could, like, get the sleep I need and still be on the same... Have, like, the same amount of time for things as other people. Well, so you would basically, like, you would be able to make more time. Uh, No, I think freeze time. Because I just... I just want everything to just stop for a minute so I can just take a nap, you know, (laughs) instead of, like, creating more time. Right. Because if there's more time, you feel the need to, like, fill more time, right? Right, yeah, yeah. But you would just fill it with naps. Yeah. (laughs) But I'd feel bad about it. I'd be like, oh, I have all this, so much more time that I could use to be doing things. I mean, and not just for the naps. I think that, like, if you could freeze time and, like, do things like there's that rick and morty episode where they freeze time oh, for one of the best time. ones i love that yeah. one there's so much like <laughs> they freeze time because they had a party that they need to clean up after yeah and then they just leave time frozen yeah i think that would be really helpful yeah i, I think it would be like getting to be in the mall like overnight <laughs> you know like if you could like freeze time and like explore the world while everyone is just like frozen in place oh yeah i mean i do really like like it's it's kind of like like there are times of the day that are a little bit like that mm-hmm. like before anyone is around much oh yeah i'm never awake that early oh i am <laughs> but i have been 
a few times in my life. Well, like Usually really, it's because I'm like still awake from the night before because of work. But yeah, yeah. well, I was gonna I like say like really morning. late at night is kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Except you have to be all quiet because you don't want to wake anyone up. Mm-hmm. But if time were frozen, it'd be as loud as you wanted. Yeah. Well, I guess that does it for Practical Magic. Uh, this is the first in our Halloween series. Ooh. Even though this isn't a super Halloween-y movie, uh, it is Halloween at the end. So I classify it as a Halloween movie. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another Halloween movie. So thank you for listening to Wistful Thinking. You can find us and more movie and nostalgia podcasts from the Cage Club Podcast Network uh, at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm Cara Gail O'Regan with Jordan Pull and Clark. And this was us talking about practical magic. Talk to you then. <laughs> Bye. Just say